And one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the LifePoint Table Talk Podcast. Today we are doing our Bible reading reflections. My name is Jason and I'm here today with Pastor Katrina. So good to be with you today. And this week we are checking out Exodus 37 through Leviticus 13 and Matthew 23 through 26. And uh, let me just say, uh, we're certainly encouraging everyone to uh, follow along with us on these readings. I've really uh, been enjoying this. But if you're not, you definitely uh, should still tune in. Tune in and uh, check out the podcast. You know, I think we bring out things that people, as they're reading, they might miss it. Right. You know, just some unique things that yeah. we, we've seen from reading through the Bible over years and years and years. So I hope it's helpful to people. I believe it is. Yeah. Especially my my stuff. Especially really, yours, yes. Jason. Yours is the best. Ex- what yeah, can I say? I really want to listen to my observations. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, we're going to start with Exodus 37. Well, Exodus 37, actually, all the way through chapter 40, it's the finishing of the inside of the tabernacle. Uh, They make the table, the lampstand, the incense altar, all according to God's instructions, along with the Ark of the Covenant. And a lot of times people don't understand what the Ark is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Ark is a gold-plated wooden chest. Inside are the Ten Commandments, uh, Aaron's rod that budded, uh, and the purpose of the ark, the reason they had the ark and carried the ark, you know, they carried them on staves or sticks above them. They never put it on a cart. It represented the presence of God with the Israelites. Hmm. And if anyone would steal the ark, plagues would come on them. Hmm. And they couldn't wait to get rid of it to send it back to Israel because that's what the ark stood for. And the beautiful thing about it on top of the ark was the mercy seat. What's had, that? What's the mercy? Somebody uh, sit showed, on it? <laughs> no, you didn't sit on it, but it was the covering or the covering above on top of the uh, ark, the box, was the mercy seat. And it was a seat, but on that seat were two carved cherubim hmm. and they faced each other and their faces were together and then their wings overshadowed them and touched. Wow. And this was the fascinating thing about it and in Exodus 25. God told Moses, he said, he told him to put the mercy seat on there. And he said, I will meet you and speak to you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim on the ark. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? I'll speak to you between them. And what it is, uh, angels are messengers. So he was saying, my message will come as I speak between the faces of these two cherubim. Wow. So it's very fascinating. I'm, I'm going to give, can I do a real teeny tiny teaching here? Sure. In Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And above the throne were seraphim, angels, and they were crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is, whole earth is full of his glory. The interesting thing about this, they were not saying this to God. They were saying it to each other. And between their voices was God. 
And that's, that's the point here or the principle here. And when Isaiah saw that, here's what he said, which fascinates me. He said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and live with people who are, have unclean lips. Why didn't he say an unclean heart or hands or whatever? Yeah. He saw the purpose of speaking about the greatness of God, wow. that when you talked about him, he comes. I inhabit the praises of my people. So that's what God was saying to him. When you come in here, this is the example between these cherubim that worship me. Wow. I'm there and I'll speak to you. Yeah. And awesome. us, if we talk about the Lord, guess what? He comes and he inhabits our praise. Even Jesus said, if two or three of you get together and talk, talk about me, I show up. Right, right. <laughs> so that's the fascinating thing about this. Okay. So on over in chapter 38 and 39, uh, we see the completing of the furnishings and uh, 39, the priest clothing and the tabernacles completed. And when it's done, according to God's commandment, Moses blesses them. And then we'll just go quickly through uh, finishing up Exodus here. Then they set, chapter 40, they set up the tabernacle. And this is what I want us to see. When Moses finished the work, then the cloud, the glory cloud of God covered the tent and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And the congregation nor Moses could enter because the glory of God was so strong inside that tabernacle. And this is what I think is so beautiful. It closes in verse 38. The cloud on the tabernacle, there was a cloud on the tabernacle by day and a fire on the tabernacle by night throughout the rest of their journey. Wow. Even when they murmured and complained, the cloud was there and the fire was there until they finished the journey in the wilderness. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, and it, I, there's a part there where it says everybody fell down on their face when it that that first initial uh cloud showed up when everything was finished so I, I don't know if you've ever been in a service i think you have we've had services where the presence of god was so strong that what you wanted to do was get on your face mm. and it's just uh, uh some of the tent meetings we had the tabernacle was a tent that reminds mm. me of that uh the presence of god would be so strong that you just want to kneel yeah. Just honor him because of his presence. Yeah. And actually, glory means a weightiness, yeah. that you feel that weightiness. And if you really look at the word glory, it's his power, his presence, and his person showing up. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I, I think there's so much in some of these verses where I, the, the explanation, the words probably don't do it justice. Like if you were actually there... The atmosphere, that oh. situation. Um, and they only just... used anointed, skilled laborers mm -hmm. to work. There were, they used their giftings. Yeah. And God magnified the giftings so that they could create it to honor him. Right. It's just fabulous. Awesome. So we get through, that's the end of Exodus, which was a long journey. Went through a whole lot to get this set up. Right. A lot of details to get that set up. Um, then we start in Leviticus. Leviticus and, can be quite detailed. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but Leviticus really is the recording of the training and duties of the Levites. And the Levites were of the tribe of Levi, of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's the, the duties also of the priests in their service in the tabernacle. And you may not realize it, but priests were chosen from among the Levites. Um, Leviticus portrays Christ as our sacrifice for sin. He doesn't cover sin like the blood of those lambs would cover sin. He takes away sin. Hmm. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin. Takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. He doesn't cover it. He takes it away. Hmm. That was the difference in Jesus. He said, I've come to fulfill the law, and I fulfilled it by making it better. Wow. So let me just make another statement. We'll get right into it. The sacrifices and feasts of Leviticus are very interesting. The sacrificial offerings of the lamb spoke of the blood that saved, and the feasts or the celebrations spoke of the food that sustains, and both were of God. And the foundation of all the feasts was Sabbath. And that means, the word Sabbath means a solemn rest. And it represents resting as God rested when he finished his work in creation. So you, you, you rest, and that rest means you glorify God. You spend time glorifying him and honoring him. Mm -hmm. And it brings a rest to your soul. God rested, I can rest. Mm. And I'll rest in his presence. Yeah. So that's the beautiful thing about the Sabbath. So let's get started. Um, so basically there's a lot of details here uh, very specific as to it's kind of similar as the end of Exodus there where there are so many specific details how to make stuff right exactly how it should be and then the offerings now that now that it's made this is how you're supposed to use it this is what right you do this it. is what you do with this so this is just, what you do with the basin this is what you do yeah. with the table this is what you do with all these things so yes. it's very specific and it can um it seems pretty maybe gruesome if you're not uh, accustomed to that kind of thing it's almost like uh, 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 seeing how your food is made kind of thing you're right you know, like a right. butcher shop it's very detailed like uh, butchering <laughs> instructions and kind of things like that and um, priests really they retired very young because of the work of sacrifices wow and there's so much. I mean, if you had all the these people doing this, these kinds of offerings, that's why all they the had. It yeah, would be that, just they had to continual. have help. Yes. Yeah. It, it was continual. Yeah. You've got a million people. Yeah. Can you imagine them bringing sacrifices? What right. you've got? Uh, each sacrifice consisted either of an animal or grain. You know, there were two types, and they were split into either two or three portions. You had God's portion. You had the Levite or priest portion. And if there was a third portion, that portion a person was allowed to keep for themselves. So that's the way the offerings were. Um, so in chapter 1, when it talks about a burnt offering, what it literally means is as it is cooking or whatever word you want to use, the smell, the sweet smell goes up as a, a worship to God. Hmm. So that's why they call it burnt, mm -hmm. because the smell, the smoke goes up and it goes up as a sweet smell of worship to God. And it can be done as worship or also an atonement for sin. 
Uh, and of course, we know Jesus is now our atonement. But atonement, if you look at it, means at one with. Right. And this is when they start using those words a lot. Yes. Atonement. atonement. And, and actually, on one of them, or, or several of them, uh, part of the process, they have to lay their hands on the head of yes. the animal. And the amplified, in the uh, expanded part there, it says... Uh, Literally, this was symbolically to transfer guilt onto the animal. Yes. And one was killed, the goats, and one was called the scapegoat, and he was released out mm -hmm. into the wilderness to carry the sin away. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And the sin offerings, it's very interesting. They have the trespass offering, which if you don't know what that means, a trespass is, means an unintentional sin right. or a sin of ignorance. God even had a sacrifice if you did it and didn't even know you did it yeah and then trespass means it was intentional i did this on purpose yeah. so he had for both i think that's beautiful so, and we go uh, ahead well basically this this portion of leviticus most of it is regulations specific regulations on burnt offerings grain offerings sin offerings and then ordination offerings and fellowship offerings. So yeah. there's all these different offerings that are very uh, detailed in how they're supposed to be done. Absolutely. Well, let me mention, I'll mention two things. Uh, you know, Aaron and his sons were ordained and they were anointed with oil and they had on their on their garments uh, a breastplate, a priest's breastplate that had 12 stones in it. Two of those stones were called Urim and Thummim. Hmm. And uh, these were used by the priest to obtain answers from God. There's not much known about them because uh, the Bible doesn't talk about it after they come out of the exile. It's not talked about much. But it's, here's some of the things they do say about it, that they would use these when they pray and they would light up and they would know that was the right answer from God because one of the stones uh, represented light and the other one represented perfection. So when they would light up, they knew that God was going to answer. Or some say they cast lots, like they even did on the day of Pentecost. Remember, they cast lots for yeah. the, find out who the uh, other disciple was going to be. And they would light up, and wow. they would know. So, But they after the exile, they don't talk about it much. So I thought that was interesting. And today, of course, we have the Bible and the Holy Spirit within. We don't have to you know, throw some stones around, okay? Right. But I, for, for me, um, part of it is just hard to grasp as a, you know, uh, coming from a different culture uh, these days and um, trying to place myself where they were and what they were experiencing. Yes. Um, so some of it's hard, but some of it I really appreciate where there's a, a sacredness to what they're doing they're taking Absolutely. it seriously there's yes. literal actions and stuff that they did the ceremony of it all and, right um, and I there were blessings that. and consequences yeah in fact it's really something one of the consequences if you gave uh, a sheep that was not perfected like you're supposed to they put a 20 percent tax on you or penalty on you that you had to bring back more wow <laughs> additional uh so it's very interesting. They did not let you get by with not doing what was right. Yeah. It's very, uh, the last three chapters talks about the practical laws 
what's clean and unclean animals, what to eat and not to eat, and the purification of women, uh, laws about leprosy and cleansing house and all this kind of thing. You, this is what's so fascinating. These laws came from God to Moses. You've got to realize Moses was taught under the Egyptian health rules. Wow. He'd, God had to retrain him because one of the things that the doctors did uh, medically in Egypt they used dung, human or animal dung, to put on sores wow. or to try to heal people. And they would even do incantations, even over a common cold. Mm -hmm. So this is what Moses was trained in. He didn't know any different until God. Hmm. And these laws are laws today. Wow. That Like life is in the blood. Don't eat, don't drink blood. Life's yeah. in the blood. Don't do that. Don't. Don't eat an animal that's died on its own because it could be diseased. Mm. Things like this. Yeah. And had had quarantine yeah, in right. there. If something happens here, quarantine. Leave that place. Yeah. Quarantine yourself. And then they had certain chemicals that they cleansed the house with if it got, if it got uh, to a place where it was not clean. So some of this is also, you think, just practical. It is totally practical, uh, but they did not know it because they'd been in Egypt. Yeah. And God had to retrain them according to what he knew. Right. And I think that's so fascinating. Awesome. And we still do it today. Okay, so let's jump over now to our New Testament reading. Um, we have Matthew 23 through 26. And it starts off there, which is interesting uh, to me. Uh, it's It's been nice reading these back-to-back, -back, uh, these... Old Testament, New Testament, but it starts right off. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, uh, but he says the teachers of the law sit in Moses's seat. Interesting, right there from the beginning. Oh my goodness! So wow. there's there's all these you know uh, tie-ins all the time. Yes, there. from the old and new. Yeah, they you tie see right, it together. right there. And the reason he called them hypocrites, he said, "You do your works not for God's glory; you do it to be seen of men." Hmm. And that goes to the purpose of the heart. Yeah. God sees the heart. And we uh, we actually covered some of this last time, me and Tyler. He goes through all the woes there. Um, oh, good. We don't have to go through those. Let's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do like the uh, one thing I want to point out. The uh, A couple podcasts ago, we were talking about how um, you were saying sometimes it seems like Jesus is just so hard on these guys. But there was actually a, a part of it that was um, uh, merciful or gracious to them as well, like he cared about them. It wasn't just hard yes. on the Pharisees all Oh, the you time. see that a lot in there. But, especially at the end there of um, uh, 23, where he talks about how he actually, after all these woes, he talks about how he wishes he could bring them close like a mother hen oh he said he weeps part. over jerusalem yeah. he weeps over he's talking about them he, he was is just i want to about... gather you and put you like right. under my covering and you won't do it yeah because at first like when you said that i thought well, no way these guys are like constantly at each other but you see it very clearly yes. right there that was really his heart yeah. was, was but do you know he did them. win some of them over because some of them would come to him at night yeah on the side 
I know you're really the right. teacher. You're the rabbi. You're the one. I know you are. Yeah. But I can't let them know I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Um, so let's jump in here. Chapter 24, Jesus foretells about the temple destruction and then he does a discourse of, on the last days called the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olivet, some call it that, uh, in chapter 24. You got that there? Yep. Uh, the disciples asked three questions of Jesus. When shall these things be? What is the sign of your coming? And what is the sign of the end of the world? So Jesus begins this discourse of all these, now notice it says, he says here, when shall these things be? What's the sign of your coming? And what's the sign of the end of the world? So there, all this is intermingled in what Jesus talks about. Those three questions are answered, maybe not in exact order, but they are answered in what Jesus says yeah, in the next discourse. Uh, that's really good uh, to look at because it can be confusing. It absolutely can. Because uh, it sounds like he's making predictions about stuff right then. and then It is. He's, he's doing both. Yeah. He's showing them what's happening now. He's showing what's going to happen in the future. And then after the tribulation and all this, this is when I'm coming back. Right. Of course, they couldn't comprehend it all. And us looking back on it, we can see it. Oh, my goodness. He knew everything about the tribulation. He knew all these things. Yeah. It, it's just amazing. Just and so you, you think they knew when he was talking about then and when he was talking about future things? I'm not sure they understood, okay. but they wrote it down for us. Hmm. That's because they were waiting for him to come back immediately right. afterwards. Yeah. Hurry up and come back. Hurry up. He's coming back any time now, folks. You better get right. Yeah. And I mean, it's been 2,000 years. Yeah. So yes, they were looking for him in that way, but he had them to write it down for us, hmm. for That's the future. Neat. That's awesome. And just like the Old Testament. What did they do? They wrote it down for the future. David in singing and worshiping God, he didn't know he was prophesying about the Messiah to come. Yeah. So... Uh, it's very interesting. But he talks about, he begins, there's going to be deception. And that happened immediately uh, after he rose from the dead. Deception just started happening. They had to fight that. But then he goes on, there's wars, nation against nation, famine, pestilence, earthquakes. That's been going on since forever, right? right? So, yeah. I mean, they understood that. But here's where he hit on them. There will be persecution of you, the Jews. You're going to be hated above all nations. That was true then, and it's true now. Am I right? Yeah. That yeah. has never stopped. Right. And the love will wax cold. There'll be false prophets, offenses. But those who endure to the end shall be saved. So that's then and now. Right. So it's going right along with it. But here's what he said, and here's his encouragement to them for then and for now. But when this king, the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, then the end shall come. Wow. So he's talking about then, keep preaching it, because the end's going to come when it goes to all nations. Yeah. And he's saying it to us too. So it's parallel. Right. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And probably, you know, they didn't even know all the nations that were out there. No. Their worldview. They had no idea how, how long this was going to take to get, no, get they the had word none. out there. No. Yeah. But their faith was in him. Yeah. 
in him regardless and ours is too we could say oh jesus is coming anytime could it be another thousand years i don't know right i have no idea yeah but i'm looking for him now yeah i'd, I'd like for him to come before i die tell you the truth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah. then verses 25 to 28, he talks about the great tribulation. And, of course, I believe uh, not only the great tribulation for the Jews, but this is talking about the great tribulation that will come after the rapture. And he even tells what it is, the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel. Uh, and he says it's the great tribulation as never seen before. And we know what that is. That's when the Antichrist goes into the temple and says, I am God. He says this to the Jews, you're to worship me now. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh no, all this time he's been petting them and building them up and making them think that he's really for them. And now all of a sudden he sets himself up in the temple right? and says, I'm God, yeah. you worship me and they know better. I've seen different, um, like we're talking about future and uh, uh, past, he's kind of mixing things together. I've heard yeah. other interpretations that that happened back then as I well. can believe that yes uh, where it's is it Herod yeah that actually goes in the temple and it's a whole it, it already happened right you know some people think that's what they're talking about yeah. he was talking well, that's about why I'm then. saying it's parallel yeah like even if it did there could be a similar thing happening later like yes. you're talking about earthquakes and all this stuff has been happening yeah. that's it's, still it, happening. it's parallel and they it spoke to them then and it speaks to us now yeah that's, that's awesome. the because we're his disciples yeah uh and then he talks about what's going to be the sign of your coming he said immediately after that tribulation there will be a gathering of of his elect he said well how do you know that he talks about the fig tree. When you see the fig tree starting to get leaves, you know that it's ready to bloom and there's going to be figs. He says, when you see all these things happening, watch and be ready, for you don't know what hour I'm going to come. Christ yeah. is going to come. And so the, and be then, faithful and wise. And, and, he, and he gives what you just said there. Um, he gives parables to explain that. Absolutely. These parables. There's the one of the ten virgins. Uh, which is basically the same message that you're saying where they, they should be ready. Keep oil in your lamp. Keep ready, you know, whether it's now, tomorrow, or a thousand years from now. Keep the oil in your keep, keep ready. And I'll tell you what the ten virgins tell us. You can't take somebody else's oil. You've mm. got to have oil for yourself. You've got to have the Holy Spirit for yourself. You can't have somebody else's Holy Spirit. You've got to have the Holy Spirit for you. Yeah. And the talents, no matter what you've been gifted with, great or small, use that talent for God. Yeah. And verse 21 is my favorite verse of, of all kinds of verses in the Bible. But he said, if you'll be faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. You know, most rulers would say this. If you'll be faithful over many things, I'll make you ruler over a few things. Mm. Jesus said, you just be faithful over a few, not all. Yeah. I'll make you ruler over many. Yeah, and think of that. It, it's encouraging in a way because it's 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 like uh, work with what you got. That's it. He's just looking for you to work with what you got, and and there's a risk there. These guys took a risk. They put themselves out there, a step of faith, and they they had uh, uh, fruit, or or you know, it multiplied. Yes. And the the guy who didn't actually says he he says he was afraid. 
Fear will stop you from carrying out yeah. God's will. He was afraid to take that chance, and so he buried it, and nothing came of it. Fear will keep you from carrying out God's will. And it's a, it wasn't about the amount. No. It was just about the doing. The doing. Doing something. He said, why don't you put it in the bank and make a little bit of money? One percent. Come on. Do something. You did nothing. Do something with what you got. And I wonder if there will be people, Lord, I I really wanted to, you know, you know, do something. But, you know, it's easier to stay home, easier to whatever. I had kids or whatever Mm -hmm. the excuse might be. I had a job, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. Uh, And he'll say, no excuses. Yeah, I gave you the talent. You so, know what it is, and I know what it is. Sobering stuff. The, the, in there, he talks about the judgment. There's a separation of people. Again, really intense uh, imagery there. Uh, sheep and goats, right? Yeah. Right? And uh, the, the famous uh, scripture there is at the end where he's talking about uh, you gave me food, you gave me drink, you invited me in when I was a stranger. Yeah. There's two in interpretations of that. Right. Do it to your brother, your brothers and sisters in Christ, or do it to Israel. Yeah. My brothers. It's Jesus just, saying my brothers, which means Israel. What have you done for Israel? Or even like specific the to the church. To the, the church. brothers of my, the Christians. Yes, yeah. right. That's what I'm saying. That's another parallel. Yeah. In other words, do it for everybody. Hmm. period across the board yeah if they're hungry it doesn't even matter if they're sinner it doesn't matter who they are and you don't like them it doesn't if they're hungry feed them yeah doesn't matter yeah that's awesome doesn't matter uh we'll jump into 26 here uh again jesus predicts well let me finish this one little thing okay faithful will inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world that's their inheritance verse 34 And then verse 46, the unfaithful, this is, I think, is fascinating, will go to a place prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. God never prepared hell for mankind. Mm. He did not prepare hell for mankind. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But men make a choice. It's not God making them go, sending them whatever. They make a choice. Remember he said that to the Pharisees one time, you have your father, the devil. Hmm. They make a choice on this earth who they're going to serve. Wow. Who are you going to serve? Yeah. Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Who are you going to serve? Yeah. And, and if you'll go be with who you decided to serve. Yeah. But that's not where I want you to go that because that will, you're going to be there with the devil and his angels. Can yeah, you imagine we that? We weren't really made for that. That wasn't made you for you. You weren't made for yeah. that. Ooh, yeah. I love that. That's yeah. beautiful. You were not made for that. That's fascinating. That's beautiful. Um, God's mercy. I never meant it for you. Yeah. Never meant it for you. Don't make that choice. Hmm. Don't make that choice. Uh, so are we ready? 26 here? 26. So again, he predicts, well, this time specifically about his betrayal. Um, uh, the beginning there also, there's the scene with the anointing at Bethany. Uh, the woman pours expensive oil on Jesus' head, and the disciples complain about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was prophetic of his burial. She was more sensitive than they were. Yeah. Prophetic of his burial. He says, uh, you'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me yeah. with you. 
and uh right yeah like you said it says this is to prepare for burial yeah um and wherever the gospels preach she will be remembered and she still is there's songs that's been written about her alabaster box yeah it's very very expensive oil i forget one time i knew the price of it it's like a year's wage or something like that yeah very expensive and and the disciples were looking at it as a waste yeah and he said you have no idea what's well, happening yeah here. i was thinking too just now the the parallel one of the notes i had made was when we were looking through all these details in exodus and leviticus of the tabernacle and the the priestly garb and a lot of it's like pure gold and precious stones mm-hmm. and this was like super expensive right stuff for god yes the best for of god. the best the for best she gave her best she gave her all isn't that fascinating and, and it was seen as um like you said like it, it, this is worth it <laughs> it gave an honor to god and a you know what yes, i mean like absolutely um, where he he was seen as the the most important thing right to them right um so then we get into um the actual last uh passover that is fascinating there too yeah so much going on uh, one thing i loved another parallel here uh right before it he's trying i think to find a place for them to have the dinner mm-hmm. and he tells them to go but it, in the uh uh, he says, uh, tell the person my time has come. In the Amplified, I think it says, my time has come, meaning my time to atone for sin. Mm. The, it had to do with the, the the rituals we were just talking about. Yeah, he's the Passover and, and lamb. Ties, they he's didn't the Passover lamb, yeah. It was his time not to make a sacrifice of something else, but of of himself well he made it very clear he said this bread represents my body this cup represents my blood of the new covenant he makes it very clear this is a sacrifice this is we are celebrating passover i am the passover lamb yeah and i think they were kind of like yeah it's kind of like this is getting close here verse 30 is very interesting it said they sang a hymn Hmm. and then went out and i thought what hymn did they sing and it's called the hallel hymn and it's Psalm 118. Wow. And uh, it's very fascinating because it has very prophetic in Psalm 118. So they sang the very hymn about him before yeah. they left and went out. Awesome. So. Um, and th- there's also obviously a, you know, connection to communion. Oh, right yes. Right there. That, uh, that all we, these sort of things coming together. We're parallel again. We continue communion. But like, like um, he's fulfilling it. Yes. The whole thing is coming together thing. with him. The whole thing uh, with him. He is the fulfillment of the law. Yeah. And and uh, right in the middle of all this, he's he's calling out Judas. Um. Uh, totally. And uh, he also tells everybody they're all going to fall away. Um. After the Passover, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, another just uh, amazing. He says he's so deeply grieved, he's almost dying of sorrow during this time. I know. He said his blood turned, his uh, sweat turned to blood. Can you imagine that? 
Can yeah. you even imagine? The bru there were probably bruises all over him from mm. that. Mm. Your sweat turning to blood, the straining and the not my will but yours be done, God. Yeah. Father God, your will. And then the disciples sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> they just had Passover. They'd eaten a lot. That's they were tired. <laughs> yeah. Like the And then thanks, Peter denies him, you know, and Yes. Follow here's the thing you gotta see about Peter. Said he followed afar off. That's yeah. when you get into denial when you're not close to Jesus. Right. But then he remembered what Jesus said and he wept and repented. And he was the first one to stand up on the day of Pentecost because of forgiveness of the wow. Lord. Yeah, we get to that that redemption. And it's interesting because he's the one telling him, No way. Yeah. I'll never I'll never do I, it. I would never How do many that. times have we said that? Yeah. I've said I'll never do that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You That's see, why you don't judge somebody, because you never know if you won't do that, too. <laughs> and it's obviously he's not ready. They can't even stay up with him for the, for the evening before no. we even got to the, to the right. soldiers and stuff. They're not, they weren't ready. They didn't, I don't think they knew. Spirit's willing, flesh is weak. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. And so it ends there. Uh, he's before Caiaphas. Um, and... They're trying to get people to give false witness mm -hmm. against Jesus. Finally, they have somebody who does, but it's kind of, he just, he talks about tearing down the temple, rebuilding mm -hmm. it in three days. Yeah. And eventually they, they just outright say, are you, are you the son of God? And, um, he basically says, yes. And yeah. They you said out. it. That you was it. That was yeah. the line. You said it. Yep. Are you the son of God? You said it. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And that's what that's what really put him over the edge just right there. And that's there was absolutely they were they had what they needed. You're right. And they went on from there. Um, well, this has been fascinating today. We'll be started. We'll finish up the rest of uh, Levit Leviticus. No. Well, yes, we'll finish up uh, Leviticus and then we'll finish up uh, Matthew and go into Mark. Awesome. Actually, so so good. Uh, we could talk and talk and talk. <laughs> yes, there, there's so much here. Yes, there uh, is. There it's just so rich, is. and uh, uh, I hope you guys are getting a lot out of this as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Keep tuning in. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, going through the Bible with us, uh, I'm really enjoying it. And. Uh, so happy to be able to uh, do it. It's my privilege. It yes, really is. It I love is. it. All right, guys. So we'll see you next time. Keep tuning in to the Life Point Table Talk podcast Bible Reflections. Have a great week, everybody. Peace.